Thanks, Nate. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be with you today. Uh, it's great to sing with you and just seek God in the midst of our, our morning together. And uh, we're going to be leaning in with the, the kingdom of God. Last week, we started talking about the kingdom of God and the king. And today, we're talking about the purposes of the kingdom of God. And so my first question uh, I want to ask you about is actually about gardens. How many of you guys have gardens in your yard? And uh, yeah, several hands. Is it, is it that time of year to start cleaning them up? Are you starting to clean them out and pack up the, you know, the produce has come in? right? You're kind of done with that work. The last 10 years, our family, we've had a little backyard garden in uh, Colorado where we were living and we would grow things there. And I've, I've discovered I can grow like two things in the garden pretty well. I can grow tomatoes and I can grow cucumbers. And if you know anything about those two, that's not a big statement to say because just about anybody can grow those things. I've, I've found out that, you know, for me, carrots are pointless and onions are frustrating and peppers are painfully few and uh, don't even get me started on corn. I won't even go there. Um, but I can, do, I can do tomatoes and cucumbers um, in our back, backyard homestead. And um, we're hoping uh, to start those maybe even next summer, get going with those. And let me ask you even a more important question. This will get some good debate going. Is a tomato, is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable? Yeah. Any thoughts? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, botanists will tell you that they are fruit. Um, and scientifically that they're fruit, and so you can debate with me about that later. But for purposes this morning, we're going to say they're fruit, because if they're not fruit, then they don't work with my, where I'm going with the sermon. So um, we're going to call them fruit today. And uh, when you're growing uh, this fruit in your backyard, uh, you, you, there's a little tool you can grab, you can buy at Home Depot or Lowe's that will help you grow them. These are called tomato cages. And uh, you can buy these, they sell them like this, and then you put them in the ground like this, and the tomato plant grows up inside the cage, and uh, the thing with tomatoes is when they don't have a cage, they grow on the ground, and on the ground is where they can get uh, insects, and they can decay, and they can spoil there a lot faster. So you put a little cage around the, the plant and stake the limbs of the plant to this as it grows up, and then the tomatoes have a much better chance of being healthy and growing strong. Uh, when I had a tomato garden in our house in Colorado, the first two years I, I picked up these cages, I put them up like this over the plant instead of the other way around. I didn't know the right way to do it. And so I always wondered, what are these things about up here? And like, how do you get this thing to stay on the garden without blowing over? And then I saw someone like putting them in the ground this way. And I went, oh, that makes sense. So um, it's a really helpful tool to have and uh, they can help tomatoes grow healthy. So you might be wondering, okay, what, is, what do tomatoes and tomato cages have to do with the kingdom of God? Well, one of the things we, I believe about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is all about producing fruit. It's all about growing fruit out of our lives, good things that we bring into this world through the grace of God. It's about uh, the light of God's glory and grace breaking through the dark shadows of our lives and filling through our lives so that our neighbors might uh, return to a relationship with their creator, that, that we can see God doing transformational work in our neighborhoods. The kingdom of God is about fruit, and the kingdom of God is about growth. One way to think about the kingdom of God is this garden image, that it's like a seed that you take and you plant in the ground. And while it's under there, it seems like it's died. You don't see anything happening for weeks, maybe even a month and then this new life begins to sprout and the, the vine begins to come out of the ground and, and uh, food is produced. Good things come into the world. You can think about the kingdom of God in this way, that it, it uh, grows in ways we don't always see it growing. We don't know what it's, what's happening. And then we see new life begin to come and we see lives being transformed. And the kingdom of God is, is here and yet not 
in its fullness. The kingdom of God is moving among us, but it's not found completion yet. And this can be a little bit confusing for us because we have a hard time understanding if God is present and moving in our world, why is there suffering? Why is there evil? Why is there hardship if the kingdom of God is here and and at work in our midst? if, If the kingdom of God is here, why is this not more like heaven, right? I mean, Kansas is pretty close to heaven, but not quite there yet. Why is it not like heaven? And people struggled with those questions in Jesus's time too. And Paul wrote a letter to some followers of Jesus who were trying to figure out how to live out this kingdom life in their community. And one of the questions they were wondering about was, what's the right kind of food that we can eat? And what's the wrong kind of food we should avoid eating? We don't want to do what's evil. We want to do what's good. So tell us about how are we supposed to eat this food? And so Paul wrote to them about that really practical Question, And they said, there's people in our church with different opinions. We, we're kind of getting in arguments about this. And so Paul wrote to these followers of Jesus in Rome, and here's part of what he said to them. He said, God's kingdom is not about eating or drinking. It's not about what you're putting in your body. It's about doing what is right and having peace and joy. All this comes through the Holy Spirit. Those who serve Christ in this way are pleasing to God and they are pleasing to people too. If you're having a hard time getting along, continue to pursue the kingdom of God. And it's not about what you're putting into your body. Vegan, keto, Whole30, Paul says that doesn't matter. That's not what this kingdom is about. It's not what you put into your body. It's what's coming out of your body. It's what's coming out of your life that matters in the kingdom of God. Why hasn't God rooted out the evil in this world? Well, he's, he's working through us to do that. When we see darkness, when we see brokenness, when we see pain in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our schools, God says, I want to use you to bring light and love and to bring a new way to this world. And scripture tells us that God is waiting to bring his full kingdom to bear so that others might come into relationship with him before that that final movement of God on this planet. And while he's waiting patiently for that time, he invites us to be involved in the kingdom work of bringing good things out of our lives. So it's about what we produce out of our lives. What does your mouth produce? Do your words create life in others or does it create death? What are your hands producing? Do they create beauty for others or are they creating destruction? The kingdom of God is what comes out of your life. Does your life, does my life uh, bear peace and joy and and right, right relationships in the world around us or are we producing something else with our lives? The Message Bible puts Romans 14, verse 17 this way. God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you you put in your stomach, for goodness sake, Eugene writes. Eugene Peterson translated this one. It's what God does with your life as as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. It's what God is doing to bring things together. If we're going to talk about the purpose of the kingdom of God, we're going to talk about God's people producing good things out of their lives, bearing good fruit that puts life together instead of pulling life apart. This past week, I heard one of our denominational leaders talking about the kingdom of God and the purposes of the kingdom of God. Alex Rahill is our director of church planting, and he said that you you could sum up the good news of the kingdom of God this way. You could say it this way. God has lost something, and he wants it back. What is the kingdom about? Well, God has lost something, and he wants it back. He's lost relationship with us. He's lost connection to his creation, and he wants that back. And the story of scripture and the story of his kingdom is all that he's doing 
to bring that relationship back in contact. So we see Jesus telling stories about things that were lost, about a lost coin and a lost sheep and a lost son. And the point of those stories is that there is a search going on, that God is looking for his people. He is looking to build his kingdom again. Last week we talked about how we need to seek God's kingdom. We need to look for it. We need to look around corners and in relationships. What is God doing? Well, God is also seeking. He's also looking. He has lost something and he wants it back. And some would say that's why the first question we see God ask in scripture, when he's looking for Adam, he says, where are you? Where are you? That's his first question. Of course, we know he knows where Adam is. That's not, he's not asking physically, where are you, Adam? He's saying, what has happened to our relationship? What have you done? Why, what has broken? We know that Adam and Eve pushed away from God. They said, we, we got our own plans. We got our own way. We think there's a better plan than what you've said, God. And sin entered the world just like it enters our lives when we say, when we push away from God and think that we can do it better. And God says, where are you? I, I want you back. I believe we're created for a relationship with the eternal, a connection with the uh, divine that our souls will not rest until we understand the love and forgiveness and beauty of our creator God. And of course, not everyone agrees with this. There's a Jewish theologian and scholar named Jonathan Sachs who's thought deeply about the purpose of life. And at one point in his life, he said this, we are biological creatures. We are born, we live, we die. There is no transcendent purpose to our existence. It's a sad reality that many of our friends and neighbors and some of us even struggle with thinking through that. Did you see Jonathan's uh, title there, Rabbi Lord? I think that's, I would would not mind having that title, Rabbi Lord. That's a pretty good title. He's a a rabbi teacher. He was knighted by the queen, so he's a lord. And um, our youth pastor here, Jason, he'll sometimes call me the good reverend. I'm like, Rabbi Lord, that's better. You know, let's go, (laughs) sounds like something from Star Wars. But this is his perspective, and, and when I read that, it's, um, I don't, you know, that's not what I believe. That's not what many of us believe. We want more than just this physical reality. You know, what is the longing that we have inside of us for something greater? What is the hunger that we have to be involved in something greater than ourselves, to be in relationship with others, to experience a depth of love and connection um, beyond this physical reality? Why does death feel so foreign to us that we, we know there's something more? We believe that there is a kingdom, a movement of God into, in our lives. So I want to look at the beginning of one of Paul's letters to the church in Colossae, his, the letter to the church in Colossae in the New Testament. And I'd like for you to look at that with me, and I'm going to invite you to mark it up this morning. We did this last spring one time uh, to kind of work on uh, the Word of God together, to study it together, to, to look for, through it with each other. Um, it's really important that we take time to digest God's word. The Bible, when it talks about itself, the Bible uses an illustration like uh, food to illustrate itself. So it says that it's like the word of God is like bread, or it's like honey, or it's like spiritual milk. These things that we take in and have to digest and process, and, and that's what study is about. You have, to, you have to work on it. You have to pull through it. So uh, we're going to study the Word of God this morning. If you've got these cards that Nate talked about earlier on your seat there, uh, one side of it, it's got the passage of Scripture on it from, for this morning, Corinthians, uh, Colossians 1, 3 through 14. So if you want to pull out this card and grab a pen, uh, I'm going to read through it. And as I read, I'm going to ask you to chew on it a little bit. I'm going to ask you to circle words that you think are important to make arrows connecting thoughts that go together to uh, underline things that you'd want to ask a question about to interact with the text as we read it together. 
Specifically, I'd love for you to be looking as we read about things about the kingdom of God. What is this saying about God's kingdom? What is this saying about the purpose of God's kingdom and how it's in action in our world today? If you want to circle words and phrases that have to do with the kingdom of God, like the word kingdom itself or growing or fruit, those kinds of things that you'll see in the passage. So I'm going to read it while you scribble away and um, let's, let's chew on this together. So this is Colossians 1. 3 through 14, again, a a letter that Paul wrote. He wrote a lot of letters that we have in the New Testament uh, to the early churches in his day. Here's what he writes. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ, in Christ Jesus, and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. So he says, we we know that there's this hope stored in heaven for you that's doing good things in your life. He says, in the same way, good things are happening here on earth, bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all, all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may, may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." So I hope some things stood out to you. I hope you're able to underline some thoughts or some, some key ideas. And I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask that you might share that with me right now. This is kind of risky, but uh, is anybody wanting to share a word or a phrase that stood out to you and how it connects with the kingdom of God? Does anyone want to offer up what you saw there? Just that word or that phrase. Chet, what did you see? Okay, continually and we always, this ongoing movement and work of God's kingdom in our lives. Yeah, what else did we see? Yeah, Karen. Light, because plants don't grow without light. Okay, light, yeah, yeah. Plants need light to grow. Anyone else? What, what are words or phrases that you saw that stood out to you? All. What was that? All. All, like that we all are involved in this? We, yeah. Truth, gospel, and gospel, yeah, over and over, that this good news about this new life we have, and that, Jeff, you said stored up, that it is uh, it's something we are bringing together. There's a, one of the words that stood out to me in this is that word bearing. I see it in verse 6, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. In verse 10, 
bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge. That word bearing is what I want to focus on a little bit with you right now. When I think about the purpose of the kingdom, I think about bearing fruit. We've been talking about that already. I think about our lives producing and displaying and accomplishing things that God has invited us to be about. That's what that word, that Greek word there, bearing, means, to to accomplish, to portray, to show up. It it occurs about 500 times in the New Testament. So it was a a very important word for the early church, the followers of Jesus. And and we are now following after Jesus. You know, as we pursue this new life together in Jesus, we want to be part of the kingdom of God, part of his purposes in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our city. We want to see God's kingdom expanding. We want his work to be happening in our lives and through our lives. We want to live a life worthy of, of the king and, and being part of his kingdom in everything that we do. I am under the authority of the king. We, we place our lives under the authority of, of the king who made us and created us. And that means that I do things for him to bring him glory. Now, I don't always. I intend to do good things and bring good fruit. I don't always do that, but I, I want to. And since I don't always, that's where I need that rescue that Paul writes about here in the passage. That's, why I, that's where I need that redemption, that forgiveness for the times when I don't live in a way that glorifies God. And I need to be saved from that. And, and Jesus invites me into this relationship with my creator. And it's from that posture, from that place of connection with the king, that the kingdom of God expands out of my life. I like how Paul gives us a real-life example here. He writes about uh, Epiphras here. And, and how he was an example of someone living out the purposes of the kingdom. Following Paul's example, Epaphras had started the church in Colossae. He was uh, the church planter in that ancient city. We've been praying for uh, church planters here in Kansas City this fall, lifting up these new churches around us. Well, that's what Epaphras was doing. He was planting a church. And, and um, in this letter, Paul tells us a little bit about him. He writes about him in Philemon as well. And he tells us that Epaphras is a, a fellow servant, a faithful minister of Christ, a servant of Jesus. Uh, he was living in a way to honor God, to, to serve the kingdom purpose in his community and in his life. And his life was bearing good things. Through his life, there was, there was this new church, there was people growing in faith, people growing in hope, understanding forgiveness and freedom in the kingdom of God and the power of the Spirit in, in their lives to transform them. Epaphras was bearing good things, and, and he was doing this because he was bearing something else. Epaphras was bearing his death. He was bearing the end of himself so that he could be part of something greater we, we bear good fruit, and Jesus told us we also need to bear our cross. You guys know those passages where Jesus says that we need to bear our cross, and a cross feels very different from fruit at first glance. We think about fruit as these good things coming out of our lives, peace, joy, love, gentleness, self-control, these good things that, that, that bring good into the world around us. And then we think of a cross as, as suffering or hardship or these other it's hard to put those two things together, but then we go back to, to the garden, and we have that example again of the seed that goes into the ground. It seems like it's dead, it's buried, and yet from that death comes new life, comes a whole multiplied plant that produces good things that are useful, that we can use as food. And so Jesus says, I, I want you to bear your cross. I want you to carry that cross. We see it in Luke 14. Jesus says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple, cannot be like me, cannot be a follower of mine. 
We have to bear our cross. And remember, Jesus said this before he carried his own cross. And so those who were listening to him talk would have had specific understanding of what he meant when he said, bear your cross. They would have had an image, a thought about what crosses do, what they're about. And they might not have made the connection that we might make looking back at it today. Earlier on in Romans 9, Jesus also said this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will actually save it. And and there's the image of, of taking up the cross, that when we take up our cross, what we're doing is losing our life. And Jesus says, when you lose your life, you actually find it. Again, the paradox of the kingdom of God doesn't always make sense to us. But Jesus says, take up your cross and trust your life to God. And when you do that, you will actually find life. Sometimes when we talk about bearing our cross, we connect it to like just hardship or a thing we're suffering through, something we have to do that we don't enjoy. You know, like it's just my cross to bear. Have you ever heard that phrase? Just my hardship to have to go through. So ever since moving to Kansas City, I've become a Royals fan. That's just my cross to bear, you know? (laughs) That's one thing people could, could say. I wouldn't say that, but that's one thing somebody might say about bearing the cross. But actually that symbol of the cross, when Jesus's listeners were, when he was talking about it, those first century people, it wasn't hardship for them that would come to mind when they thought of the cross. It wasn't, you know, uh, a difficult thing we have to go through in life. They would think of death, right? When they heard of the cross, they would think of the executioner's tool. The Roman empire got really good at crucifying criminals and thieves on that cross. It was an implement of death, not just hardship, but the end of your life. That's what they would have imagined when Jesus said, pick up your cross. He's saying that I should die. I should die to myself. Put my way of life to death. My great ideas, my plans should die. And they should come in line with the kingdom of God. And again, Jesus said, when you do that, when you lay down your life, you actually find your life. And Jesus says we should do this every day. Every day. Remember, it's not your day today. It's, it's God's day. That what happens today should glorify him, not yourself. That it should fall in line with what his plans are for this day, not your plans for this day. Here's a picture from my Life Application Study Bible. It has some great study notes on it, and I just highlighted at the bottom there. For believers today, this means this idea of dying to ourselves. It, it means understanding that we belong to Jesus. We belong to him, and that we live to serve his purposes what he is doing in the world today. Bearing your cross means surrendering your life to the kingdom of God, to his purpose. It means living your day for God's fame, not for your own. It means building his brand, not building your own brand. It means that if you're a teacher, that you teach for the glory of God. It means if you sell something, that you sell it for the glory of God. That if you work in medicine, you treat and you heal for the glory of God. If you go to school, that you study and you gain knowledge for the glory of God. It means that if you make a cup of coffee, when you serve it to your customer, you do it for the glory of God. It's about his kingdom and not our kingdoms. Those little kingdoms we talked about last week, it's not about our little kingdoms. It's about his greater kingdom. We put our sphere of influence, our tribe of friends under the authority of God's kingdom. And we live each day under his powerful presence, his wonderful authority, we, we bear our cross. We die to ourselves. 
In Paul's uh, Colossians letter, he writes that he's thankful for the people in Colossae because he sees their, their faith and their love. He says, your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of God's people, their faith and love has, has con, gone into their bodies and, and developed into something greater. He says later on in the passage, it's, it's really their endurance and their patience that impress him. And that's what, that's what faith is. When you take faith in, you believe in faith, what comes out of your body is endurance. What you produce is endurance, so that no matter what hardship you're facing in life, no matter what challenge you're up against, you endure through it because you know you're serving a greater kingdom. And when you plant love in your life and it grows up, what you produce is patience. No matter the conflict, no matter uh, the struggle to get along with, no matter how much they irritate you, you, you love them. You are patient with them. That's what it looks like when it comes out of your life. These are just a couple examples of this truth of Jesus' statements and Paul's letter. When we lay ourselves down, when we see the death of our lives, there is a new kind of life that erupts out of us. When you bear your cross, you'll bear good fruit. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. When you bear your cross, you'll bear good fruit. When you carry your death, you will actually create life. When you surrender your plans for God's purpose, you'll have power to produce good things in this world. And not just in the physical world, but actually in the eternal kingdom of God. Good work that will happen. The purpose of heaven's kingdom is to create in each child of God a desire to reconnect to our Father, our good Father, and offer our lives up for the the good work he's called us to be about in this world. We die to our own grand exploits and allow the best gardener ever to grow this miraculous life out of us. Good things, good fruit that that change the world and, and bring his grace into our lives. For Epaphras, it would later mean that he would be in prison alongside Paul. He would lose his physical freedom, but he would continue to be about a greater freedom, the kingdom of God. And this is a a weight that we bear in this life. And sometimes it feels like too much for us to bear. Sometimes the weight of it is almost too much. And it takes me back to the tomato cage, that it's good that we can have around us things that help us grow and and carry this weight. We have each other. We're sitting in this room with with people around us that walk with us in life, that will pray with us and encourage us. Uh, Those right down the row from you that have been through similar things that you're going through that understand the challenges that you've been through. The Spirit of God helps carry the weight of this glory, this weight of the work that he's called us to. And so we we turn to that structure around us that helps bear the weight of the kingdom. And, And of course, we have our example in Jesus. He's the first one that laid his life down, that gave his life for us, that bared his cross, exchanged that throne of grace for a a different kind of throne. He was lifted up and didn't sit in the king's chair, but he's hung on a criminal's cross for us. And Jesus showed us what it looks like to lay your life down, to, to die to yourself that the kingdom of God might expand. And above him was that sign, Jesus, the king of the Jews, That was our king setting an example for us. This is how we're called to live, that we surrender our lives, that the kingdom of God might expand. And again, we can't do this on our own. And we don't do this in our own power. We've surrendered ourselves to Christ. We've received his forgiveness. If you uh, are part of the church here, maybe if you haven't received that forgiveness from Christ, I just want to encourage you this morning to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for you that you might be forgiven. 
when he rose from the dead, he did that that you might have a new kind of life. And perhaps you've heard about this and you're fascinated by Jesus, but you've never really received that new life for yourself. Before you can start being part of the kingdom of God, the purposes of of the kingdom of God, you have to be filled by the spirit of God. You have to receive forgiveness for the ways you've pushed away from God, your sin, your rebellion, just like I have, just like many here have. So I want to encourage you to surrender your life to Christ this morning and receive that new life from him. And then... Let's, let's get involved with the kingdom in our community here. Let's be a light in dark places. Let's bring hope and healing to those who are struggling to see what God is doing in their lives. And let's ask God to help us do this. So will you pray with me about that right now? I want to invite the worship team up, and they're going to help us sing a song together. And while they're coming, let's, let's pray. Let's talk to God. Father, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for calling us as your sons and daughters to surrender our lives, to lay them down, to die die to ourselves, Lord, that we might live in your kingdom and in your way. Father, as our king, we want to honor you with our lives. So I just pray for everyone here as we're thinking about what does it mean to live as a kingdom person? What does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God? Lord, would you help us? Would you help us see what you're calling us to be about? How we can serve our neighbor how we can love those that are different than us, how we can see every person, especially those that others look over and look past, that we might see every person as created in the image of our God. Lord, might we be part of your kingdom work in our, in our family, where we work in our school. Might we not stand in judgment over anyone, but might we serve them in love that they might understand that they are created and made in the image of their loving God, the king who invites them into the kingdom. Thank you for forgiving us, calling us your own. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand and uh, sing with us.